0: Hello and welcome to the What If It's Not Depression podcast. Whether you're here to learn about the root causes of depressive like symptoms, wanting to know more about alternative solutions, or you're a biohacker looking to optimize your mental health and brain, this podcast is for you. I am Dr. Achina Stein and I will be your host on your journey to resolving depressive like symptoms and optimizing your You're listening to the What If It's Not Depression podcast, hosted by Dr. Achina Stein. Welcome to the What If It's Not Depression podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Achina Stein. Today, we're going to talk about metabolic processes and how they affect mental health and specifically dive into leptin resistance. And you're going to learn what that is today and how it's all connected. My guest today is Dr. Bindia Gandhi. So Dr. Bindia Gandhi is a double board certified integrative and functional medicine doctor who helps thousands transform their overall health. She is the medical director at Atlanta Functional and Integrative Medicine, Revive ATLMD, a comprehensive clinic focused on total body healing, including decreasing inflammation, improving hormonal imbalance, helping women get pregnant, weight loss resistance, chronic stress, gut health, and more. After dealing with her own medical crisis and eventually improving her overall health to rebalance her hormones and conceive naturally, she's been focused on finding the cause of issues instead of treating the symptoms and holding a special passion for female hormonal cases. She has worked with A-listers, including professional singers and athletes, to reclaim their health. Her newest podcast, Reset, Renew, Revive, has gained tons of traction since its launch in April 2020. Mindia regularly engages with her community of 41, sorry, 43k followers via Instagram, where she produces compelling content and. Educational material to continue to inspire people to live healthier lifestyles. She's been featured on the Daily Mail, Fox 5 Atlanta, Mind Body Green, Washington Post, Vogue Parade, live, live Strong, Huffington Post, and more. So, welcome, Dr. Bandia. We have been going back and forth for months. I mean, you have such a busy life, and I'm so glad you had included me in it so to be on my podcast so
1: i'm so so excited to to be here i'm just so sorry it's it's later but i'm glad i'm here now
0: yay yeah so i love to have people you you know i just mentioned in your bio uh to have people here um Uh, you know, talk about their, their own journey. And I personally believe that people who have had a journey of their own really are able to better connect with their patients. Um, Because you've been through it. When you walk the walk, you're you're not just talking the talk, right? You really come from experience, and you've had incredible experience. Oh my gosh, conceiving. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now you have three little girls. (laughs) I do. Yes. (laughs) Yes, and she posts pictures of them on her Instagram. They're beautiful, beautiful, beautiful family. So. Yeah. So tell us more about, about your uh, journey and how that inspired you um, uh, to, uh, you know, come to this place of having a functional medicine practice in Atlanta.
1: So like many of us functional medicine providers, it's usually our own experiences that kind of get us to, to where we are today. You know, I, um, actually, I thought I was gonna go into psychiatry very early on. That was what I wanted to do. My undergrad degree was biology and psychology, and I was determined to be a psychiatrist. But Achina, you know, I will tell you this that um I did not go into psychiatry. One reason was because when I was in between medical school and um an undergraduate, I worked with a psychiatrist and we were doing clinical testing at the time. And um I remember telling a patient, I was like, why don't you meditate? Like this was very early on. I was 21, 21, 22 at the time. And I told the patient, um, you should meditate. Like, why don't you meditate? You know? Um, and I got yelled at, (laughs) I got yelled at by my, my, I guess, attending, uh, my, my boss, who's the, the head lead clinical, um, Medical doctor, because he said, You're gonna ruin the data. You're gonna ruin the data by what from what the pharmaceutical companies want. And um, that's not what we need. And I remember being like, What? Like, what? <laughs> I remember just being like appalled. And then um I also felt some sort of way because there was no testing back then for for um for anxiety, depression. I mean, there were scales, don't get me wrong. There was like the Hamilton and blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't like it wasn't like a a lab testing where i could check someone's labs or saliva and tell them like what neurotransmitters off and i never could get it i was like so are they depressed are are they anxious is it both like like it, it was a i just didn't feel comfortable pushing pills at the time so i think that was like the early like starts to my career that i knew i wanted to go into medicine but i knew it wasn't going to be psychiatry and then again like in medical school i ended up having um in more med- medical school questioning like pharmaceuticals like what so I'm gonna give you a, a medication and it's gonna have side effects like that's normal like that's expected like why are we doing this to people like I just had the que- kept questioning it right but in residency um I thought I was doing everything perfect right like I was um doing yoga I was meditating I was the epitome of of health right like here I am like telling people to meditate and and <laughs> eat well whatever right but as you know, and you and I both know, because we came from the very conventional medical residency program, it's grueling. Like mm-hmm. it's hard. You're yeah. stressed. You're not sleeping. You're not really eating well. Um, you know, you're l- literally walking into eggshells because you don't wanna you don't wanna, mind my language, piss off your attending or your fellow um residents. The culture is very it's very negative. I don't I don't know what else to say about it, right? right. So um, that's when I started experiencing a lot of medical problems, right, despite all the things I was doing, right Um, I was severely constipated i was had acne breakouts, had headache, started clenching my jaw um you know, just just having all slew of symptoms, my menstrual cycle was off um and it was unfortunately a rash on my face that really was the trigger because um I could care about the constipation. I could take like a stool softener and keep it going, you know? Right. Um, put myself, or not put myself, but, you know, be put on birth control, regulate the cycles, life was good, right? And, you know, we we had the, we, we knew the fixes to do, but the rash on my face, it wouldn't go away. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been to dermatology, like for literally over two years. They had done biopsies. We tried like every- antifungal steroid. We tried every prescription. I think I spent like thousands of dollars. I don't even know. I spent a lot of money because I was so desperate to get the rash of my face gone. And it was on my face. Right. So you're paranoid and you're self-conscious about it. Um, And it still didn't go in. I kept questioning. I was like, this is not right. Like it's not, it'll go away for a day and it comes back. Is it food related? And they're like, no, it's not food related. It's not food related. I'm like, do I have an autoimmune condition? They're like, no, no, no. I was like, can you send me to the autoimmune, um, the allergist immunologist. And I went there and and he brushed it off and he was like, you're just a stressed out resident. Like it's fine. We don't need to do any testing. Have a good life. (laughs) And that was like the pivotal point. I was like, this is awful. Like I, this, this does not make sense. And so I actually ended up seeking out integrative and functional medicine, which I was already kind of interested in. I was kind of already aware of Dr. Andrew Weil's work and that right. whole thing. And so um, kind of sought out an integrative and functional medicine doctor. Long story short, found out I had celiac. Mm. So there was a diet link. It was an autoimmune condition. Right. Um, and once I went strictly gluten-free, constipation went away, menstrual cycles right. have been at normal, like headaches no longer exist. Like, you know, everything literally got better. And- um, And here I am today. Like that was, that was my journey, but it it was, you know, at that time, it was like very stressful. It was depressing. It was like, what is wrong with me?
0: It was very Mm -hmm. hard.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: Especially when you're not validated, uh, about your experience and not given any options and you come away feeling very powerless.
1: Yeah. And I think, and I think the biggest thing is like, even as a physician, being a patient, kind of being on both ends of the spectrum, like you don't get treated very well. You know, like I'm telling you my symptoms, I'm telling you everything, but people just hear one thing. It's like one-sided, like Mm -hmm. the the dermatologist only wants to hear about my rash. She doesn't care about anything else going on in my body. Right. Like she just wants to know about the rash. Like, is it getting better or not? Okay. No, let's try something else. I've got two minutes with you. Bye. I got to see my next patient. Right. Right. Um, and that's unfortunately what conventional medicine is all about. Right. It's like, I've only got five minutes, less than five minutes to be with you. And that Three of those minutes is, is me prescribing or e-prescribing your next medication to the pharmacy. That's essentially what, what conventional medicine unfortunately is.
0: Yeah, that's, it is. And I mean, there's a place for it. Sometimes we need quick thinking like that, but for the most part, as chronic disease has been exploding in the, in this country and the rest of the world, you know, meanwhile, (laughs) you know, people are getting sicker and sicker and we need to have another way of approaching this and that's what functional medicine is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for letting us know about your story. I, you know, I totally get it. I've been there (laughs) as well with my own health issues too. And, you know, you you look fantastic. So (laughs) I'm sure you're uh, you know, you're doing well with all of that. And uh, so tell me more about how you got into the metabolic, uh, sphere and, um, you know, t- and yeah, let's start there and weight loss and things like that. Lots so, of people trouble with weight loss, the sure. first yeah. yeah. So
1: again, you know, um, when I was younger, I knew what to do. I knew what to do to lose weight. You know, I would continue to exercise. If I gained a couple pounds, I knew what I was going to do to lose that couple pounds. I knew if I cut my calories and, um, and worked out a little bit more. I I knew the math. I knew the science, I knew the equation. I could, I could lose the weight. I, I, I wanted to. Well, in residency again, um, when I was trying to um, figure out what was going on with me, all, everything was, was, was out of whack. And I remember gaining weight and I was like, but I'm still exercising. I'm still doing my yoga. I'm still running. And my eating hasn't changed. And I was like, again, something's wrong. I don't know what's wrong. Um, this doesn't make sense. Right? Like I'm not eating more. I'm not like, binging on cookies and cakes. Um, and I'm still working out. Why am I gaining weight? Right. So I think that was like the first initial something's off. Right. right. Um, and then as I started learning more about, um, functional medicine and again, fixing myself, you know, right, right. um, weight came off. Right. And I would see clinically in practice, a lot of females come to me. And, um, as I learned more about like hormone regulation, when I was trying to get pregnant and all this other stuff that it wasn't as easy as, um, calories in calories out. Like we were taught. Yes. It worked when you were 20, but you know, as I got older, that equation doesn't work anymore. And you know, I'm not going to lie. I, when I was in, in, in medical school, um, and I wanted to lose weight, I, I, I had, I had tried many diets. Like I had been on the special K diet that that was big and hot back then. And, Mm -hmm. and I don't even know what I probably tried, but those, those tricks, in medical school, when I was early 20s, in my 30s, no longer worked. Mm-hmm. And it it w- didn't make sense. So um, I felt the frustration because I was experiencing it myself. So I could relate to these patients a lot better. Um, and that's when I just started diving in and learning more about hormone health to figure out, okay, how are all these hormones con- connected? how do they all impact each other? And that's when I started realizing, okay, there's a hormone that nobody talks about. It's called leptin Mm -hmm. and it's equally important. Um, it impacts your metabolism and it impacts all your other female hormones and it impacts so much more. And that's, and that's kind of where I am today. We're, um, essentially educating people about um, a hormone that's actually produced by our fat cells communicates with our brain and let us know, are we hungry? are we full? do we need to eat more? Do we need to eat less? Um it's also known as a satiety hormone, and um it's so profound china because because I can talk about leptin all day and I'm sure if specific specific fake questions I can answer, but it's it's really important to kind of understand um for people when they feel like they're doing everything, when they're they they are actively working out, they are actively trying to eat better. people should not be judging them. People should not be saying you're lazy and fat or whatever it is. You're just eating too much. There really is a scientific hormone that is disrupting their metabolism. And leptin is one of the hormones and could be, could be the one for many patients.
0: Yeah. So talk more about that. Where, like, where is leptin released? You said fat cells and it communicates uh, with the brain and tell us what it communicates. So uh, uh, what's an average level and what does it mean if it's low and what does it yeah, mean? Yeah, right? that's And in combination with ghrelin too, right?
1: Yeah, so so ghrelin and and leptin kind of are like brother-sister hormones. Um, ghrelin will all, uh, is a hormone that usually tell us if we're hungry, if we need to eat, right? Um, and so ghrelin and leptin kind of work inverse. So leptin will tell us if we're full, if once we've eaten, do we need to continue eating? This is why sometimes... Um, we're not getting the memo that um, our body's full and we continue to eat, or this is sometimes one of the reasons why we will continue to snack or after we've eaten a meal, like an hour later, like, I'm still hungry. Like, I don't know why, but I'm not full. I feel like I need to eat some more, right? Mm-hmm. Um, ghrelin, on the other hand, is only released when we're hungry. So if we're hungry, ghrelin will, will be released um, and leptin will be low and ghrelin will start being high. And when we eat and we're essentially full, leptin is is high ghrelin will be low they, they kind of work in bursary mm-hmm. um so typical symptoms or typical things that you know people um tend to have is you know they're eating well they're doing everything that they're supposed to they're still gaining weight or having trouble losing weight right um they notice that their blood pressure may be a little bit off they may be a little insulin resistance they may have some like thyroid issues going on um People may have high blood pressure, just like hypertension, right? Some mm-hmm. of those are just early signs that there could be, uh, leptin could be off, right? I have people go to my um, my quiz. It's like an 11-question quiz. It's um, at Dr. md forward slash quiz, and you can take a free quiz there to see could you be leptin-sensitive, leptin-clear, or leptin-resistant. Mm-hmm. So leptin-clear, so let's just talk about these numbers because I think it's very important um, without me getting too technical. Um, in a perfect world, in a perfect world, not everybody's going to meet this, but in a perfect world, I like the leptin levels to be between seven and 10.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When leptin is elevated past 10, usually that tells me you have leptin resistance, right? And that the higher it is, the harder it is for you to lose weight. And we have to regulate that more. Once that comes down, it's so much easier for you to lose weight and keep it off, right? Not just yo-yo diet, but keep it off, Right. Um, when your leptin is low or I call, um, um, leptin clear, um, we have a whole slew of other issues that can happen when, when leptin is low. Right. We'll talk about that in a, in a second leptin, um, leptin sensitive is if you're seven to 10, it's kind of creeping up a little bit, but it's not essentially like a leptin resistant yet. Right. So those are kind of like the, 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 um, ranges, ranges, I should say that we kind of use, right. Um the best way to test for leptin is through the blood, right? Okay. There is unfortunately no test right now that'll test for ghrelin, but there is a test for leptin which is really important and and so usually I will test in 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 blood work. What I usually have people do is take your quiz if it comes back leptin resistant Definitely ask for a leptin um, test by your doctor. Now, unfortunately, most conventional pr- traditional doctors won't test for it. In fact, even if you have an endocrinologist, Achina, they probably are not going to test for leptin. Right. Um, the reason is, is just because um, they don't know what to do with that, with that information. That's, right. that's what it comes down to, right? And uh, most people don't realize that if a doctor orders a test, they're technically liable for reporting the results and now giving you a formulating plan for you. And if they don't know about it, they're not
0: comfortable about it, they're not going to do it are not going to do that. So, and, and the plan doesn't include medication. It's all lifestyle.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, now there is, there is some medications that do help um, with leptin resistance. And mm-hmm. sometimes we, we will use that in our patients, but um, but essentially you can fix it naturally through lifestyle oh. changes, which is really important. So I think that's really empowering as well, because once you're able to kind of fix at your leptin and bring it to the range that it needs to be. It's so much easier to lose weight, um, and and you also see that there is a there's a big communication between leptin and your female hormones like your estrogen and and your cortisol and your thyroid and all these other things.
0: Mm-hmm. So what would be the reason to get a leptin level if you can tell just from history? Oh, I'm just hu- I'm hungry all the time. I've just had a meal and I'm still really hungry. And they're eating healthy foods. And you know, why wouldn't you just go by by that?
1: Great question. Um, So I think, I think I personally like to see it because I, and a lot of my patients like to see it because I think they like to know the level, like, oh, is it 54? And then I, they like watching that number come down. Right. And I think that's kind of empowering. A lot of people kind of like to see it on paper. I may, I may look at a person and say, yes, I think you're leptin resistant and um, they're not, or vice versa. Right. I look at a per- I, the What opposite happens is I see people and I'm like, oh, I don't think you're leptin resistant. And their leptin is like 24. And you're like, what really? Or, 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 so I think to me, it's, you may suspect it on some people, but it's not always the case. Right. Okay. Um, so I, that's, that, and I'm a, I'm like a nerd. I'm a data science girl. (laughs) (laughs) I always like to check levels and numbers. Um, but I think it's helpful for patients to kind of be aware how far off it is.
0: Right. Right. Well, it proves that what you're telling them is like, yeah, you're right. I'm not lazy. And and stupid and, you know, uh, don't know what I'm doing and, you know, yeah, like, and doing exactly. the right things. And it's, I can't affect the leptin level without yeah. education and knowledge. And so, uh, it affirms, I think what, where, what people are feeling and then gives them a data point, like you said to then, okay, now how do we attack that? And then you can follow it and monitor mm-hmm. it. whatever it is that you're doing is actually making a difference. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we tell, talk more about what it is that can be done for leptin resistance.
1: Yes. So there's a lot of different, a lot of things that, you know, people can do to improve their, their leptin levels. Um, and so, and I'm specifically talking about leptin resistance, which is when your leptin levels are significantly elevated, right? So, um, one of the first things that I actually have my patients do now. Again, we have been told to intermittent fast. We've been told to starve ourselves. We've been told to, uh, we've like I said, we many of us have probably tried every diet in the book because you know because that's what you do, right? That's, right, that's right. what you do. Um, and so, one of the things that actually that starts regulating leptin is eating. It's very counterintuitive, but it's literally just eating three meals a day and stop intermittent fasting, stop the keto diet, stop all those extreme calorie restricting restrictions, I should say, that you've been doing because that is one of the reasons that has messed up your metabolism and and caused leptin resistance. So Mm -hmm. um, when I have people actually eat three meals a day, it's like, wow, they actually start feeling hungry again. You know, many people are like, I don't even, I'm not hungry anymore because Mm -hmm. their ghrelin communication is off because their leptin is off, right? And so they actually are like, oh, wow, I actually remember what it feels like to be hungry. And I actually can now listen to my body physical cues. So just eating three meals a day is one of the easy changes that I that I encourage people to start doing. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing I'm sure um, you probably talk about this a lot, but. Um, there is a big stress component to um, to leptin, right? right? Managing stress is huge. Uh, and I kind of want to talk about that too, because I think that um, it, der- it deserves a lot of attention when we talk about leptin resistance. Um, chronic stress and chronic stress can be from chronic medical conditions, like whether you have like diabetes or you have... Um, I don't know, autoimmune conditions, cancers, whatever, chronic medical illnesses really do impact um, leptin production. And um, that is one thing, right? So chronic medical conditions, Uh, but even chronic stress, you know, if you're just went through a divorce or just, um, you know, are miserable at your work or you have a horrible commute, whatever life stressors are going on, those that, that really does impact the cortisol production that also disrupts your sleep. Um, so many other things are are happening that really also impact your left. Hand. so identifying what is triggering that stress and learning to manage that stress in a very supportive way, you know, um, whether that's working with a psychiatrist or a therapist or, or, um, you're or doing EMDR or a coach, whatever, whatever you're doing, right. Mm-hmm. Like, um, just kind of figuring out, um, how we can manage your stress, um, and how that can positively impact your lifestyle is huge mm-hmm. um the other thing is sleeping sleeping is huge achina mm-hmm. like yeah. many of us you you know I, I think i i was calculating the other day i think i've been probably chronically deprived of sleep for the last five years because I've all my kids right mm-hmm. but it takes a toll emotionally physically on your body right, right. and when that happens um you're depressed, you know, you're anxious, you're on edge, you're irritable, your focus is off, your concentration is off. But more importantly, like, that may be the physical things that you you see, but in your blood work, and what's going on in your body, those are the things you're not aware of, right? Your, the, you know, your leptin is definitely um, impacted by that. So we know that if we can kind of rewire your brain, mm-hmm. um, manage your stress, but get you to sleep better and have good quality sleep, Those are just some of the things that really can impact leptin in the right direction and can make your metabolism work for you. Absolutely.
0: Well, you know, it's sleep. It's when we're sleeping that our body is healing, right? There is a Mm -hmm. certain number of hours of sleep that you absolutely need to get in certain times of the day or night, I should say. Um, to regulate your circadian rhythm, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it, it, I completely agree with you that sleep is really important, but many people, especially given our lifestyle are unaware of how much stress that they're under. And, in, and I you know, love to tell people that, you, know, you could be very happy with your life but that doesn't mean that you're not under stress. So your yes. body can be under stress. It could be internal stressors. Oh, I'm so not glad we're talking emotional, about that. Not just emotions. Yes. A lot of people associate stress with all emotional stuff. And uh, yeah. so that's
1: so important because um, one of the distinctions I make with my patients, like many people are actually very resilient. Like we can take on literally the world in our hand and and be functioning pretty, pretty fine that's great and wonderful, but what's going on to your body during that time? Like, that's what people are not aware of. And I think that's where, again, labs, data, and also talking to people, kind of helping them understand and delineate, like there's a difference between physical stress, um, emotional stress, and what's going on in the body, right? Because um, you may handle stress really well. You may be high functioning, high performing, and and can do really well but underneath your body is giving you warning signs and if you're not paying attention to it
0: you know it can really be traumatic and, and be problematic right right so you have to take breaks just like your phone when it's you know got multiple windows open it the battery dies eventually yes exactly right <laughs> yes so just like you have to plug in your phone you got to plug in yourself and mm-hmm. it's really finding certain routines that are in alignment with your lifestyle and what you know, what you like, what feels right to you is really, really important on a daily basis through habit stacking, absolutely. So I'd love to go back to the diet a little bit. I really appreciate that you point out the stress, but uh, piece of it, because it's so important, people don't really think about it. But the diet is, um, there's a, you know, you mentioned how some people are intermittent fasting and they're on a ketogenic diet and they think that it's healthy. What are some signs or symptoms that they might have while they're doing that, that might make them think that this is not right for me? So there's actually two
1: things that could be going on when people are doing extreme diets, right? Um, in um, and, and we'll talk about this because it, it's, it's important. So there's one extreme where you have now... Um, you have now been intermittent fasting. Now your body or ketogenic diets, just have you seen those as an example, um, your body thinks you're starving.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, because it's like, I don't know when I'm going to get fed again. Right. So when this happens, um, that's kind of like a stressor for your body. Right. Mm-hmm. And when this happens, um, we start noticing, um, that maybe you're a little bit more anxious, mm-hmm. um, maybe you're a little bit more irritable. Um, I also notice things that, um, when intermittent fasting worked, it stops working. Your body does, it doesn't work anymore. Right. Um, and the reason this is happening is because as your body thinks it's starving, your uh, t- a T3 starts um, dropping, which is really important. And as your T3 starts dropping, um, your body's going to hold on to weight because it's, 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 your metabolism is now starting to slow down and it's like, what's going on here. Right. Um, this is problematic because a lot of people start off by intermittent fasting and they get some really great results and then it plateaus. And right. then it's like, actually I'm doing, again, I'm you hear it all the time. I'm doing the same thing, but I'm not losing any weight. Your body is going to hold on ca- calorically to everything because it's like, it doesn't feel loved. It doesn't feel supported and it doesn't feel like it's being nourished. Right. So this is why I'm going to say extreme diets for a long time are not really beneficial for your body. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is why, because we've got to make sure we're supporting our body. This is why when we encourage you to eat again, it resets your metabolism. You're able to actually drop the weight again. And you're like, oh, oh, I didn't realize I was in this calorie restrictive or deprivation for so long. Your body cannot function. And when you refeed, that's what it is. And you refeed, T three levels rise and leptin levels regulate accordingly. Mm
0: -hmm. So I'm curious. So when the T three levels go down, does reverse T three go up? Yes, it does. Yes. See a high reverse T three that could be problematic and or a sign that there's uh, leptin resistance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I would imagine that those people are always hungry.
1: yes and yes and no it depends now if you're someone that um say i'm going to use this example if you're someone that has um low leptin um on the other extreme um you may not be getting those hunger cues you may not be getting the hunger cues of you need to eat more because now you're in a starvation mode your body is like when are you going to feed me you're feeling a little anxious you're feeling a little overwhelmed sleep is disrupted um we start noticing other things happen estrogen levels which we haven't really talked about estrogen levels start dropping as well um and so you have a whole slew of other symptoms but your body's not getting the messages and the cues that it's time to eat it's like maybe you're so busy you forget to eat right you know it's kind of like forcing yourself to eat because again your body's been in um calorie restriction it's like well I can function at this low calorie at like i don't know 800 calories a day I can function like this you know but you really can't right
0: Right. Wow. Okay. Mind blown. Right. (laughs) So, so when people are on a ketogenic diet and they lose uh, their ability to be hungry, they are going to assume that they're keto adapted. Right. And so is that the case or not? So
1: it's not, so there, I guess it gets, it gets a little like sticky here because we're not really talking. I mean, Essentially what we want is metabolic flexibility, right? That's essentially what we want is to be able to, to fast accordingly, um, eat accordingly and still have normal leptin levels, right? Like in a, in a nuts, in a nutshell, whether we're, uh, whether we're keto or whatever we're doing when you are restricting, um, carbs and carbs again, are not all bad. I I really wish people knew that, um, Mm -hmm. Because there are some benefits of healthy carbs, especially, again, we'll go back to the thyroid, the T3. When you eat healthy carbs, it really does help nourish and support your thyroid mm-hmm. in the right way. And that can actually, again, rebalance your leptin levels, which is essentially what we're trying to do, right? So when um, when you are, I guess, I guess essentially one of the things that I really encourage people to kind of identify is learning the cues for them so their body can be metabolic flexible for them right so learning when you need to fast and it's appropriate for you but also learning when you should be eating um how much carbs you should be eating and when it's okay to eat
0: less carbs when it's okay to eat more carbs kind of thing right right so basically you're saying it should change up you should you should constantly be changing the cues uh and the signals to your body so it's almost like (laughs) cross-training, right? Kind of. It is. It is. I'm going to use a physical, uh, analogy like cross training. You don't want to be on a bike all the time and then, you know, and then not be fit with other muscles. It's kind of, yes. And this is,
1: this is more important. Um, as you know, this is definitely more important as we see low leptins, as we see leptins become leptin levels become really low. We have to encourage more metabolic flexibility.
0: Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. So the, um, so the hormones that are affected are, uh, are estrogen that
1: Estri- means- estrogen is one cortisol is another one. Um, testosterone is another one there. They're technically thyroid is a huge, huge one. Um, ghrelin, we kind of talked about it a little bit. Um,
0: what about Do all those sex hormones go down?
1: Yes. Okay. Oh, well, depending on where you are in the, in, if you're high or low, yes, it does matter. Yes. So if you're mm-hmm.
0: high, if you're leptin resistant, the sex hormones and the cortisol go down. No. Okay.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay. It's a little complicated. Okay. Yeah, if We're talking about like leptin resistant and your, and your leptin levels are a little bit elevated. Um, estrogen may or may not necessarily be a impacted, we tend to see more of a testosterone or androgen levels rise. Um, and so this is sometimes we why we see things like polycystic ovarian syndrome mm-hmm. as testosterone levels um, rise. Now, as testosterone rises, it gets converted to estrogen. So sometimes estrogen levels are circulating a little bit higher too. Mm. But let's also put it in perspective to where you are in life, right? If you are... Perimenopausal, premenopausal, postmenopausal, right? It does kind of also play a role to where things are going um, hormonally there, but we tend to see certain patterns that happen. First, mm-hmm. like when you're lower estrogen or lower leptin, your female hormones are usually lower.
0: Mm, okay. Great. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you made those connected the dots right there. I think it's really important to see how all the hormones and how they kind of are connected and speak to each other and inform each other. Um, because when some hormones go up, the other hormones go down. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, I love the explanation that you gave about why people have trouble losing weight, despite their efforts in terms of movement and, and diet. So what are some other factors that can affect, uh, metabolic flexibility you know, what, you know, I, I'm sure like what I always talk about is besides stress and, uh, and, uh, diets, infections, right. And toxins, um, what's your experience uh, with those two things in terms of metabolic? Yeah. So, you know, we
1: have a whole slew of toxins, which, um, are really important. We, I call them the obesogens, right. These Mm -hmm. are toxins that actually make us fat, right. BPA, um, phthalates, um, sulfates. These are just some of the examples of, um, chemicals that are actually disrupting our hormones mm-hmm. and are disrupting our leptin production and actually make us more likely to retain weight or have trouble in a or having trouble, um, for us to lose weight. So there's mm-hmm. definitely a, a big link there. Um, diet too, you know, one of the things that, we can talk about diet all day because it can get really to the nitty gritty. But if we're really constantly exposed to pesticides and chemicals and genetically modified foods, Mm -hmm. you know, you think you're eating healthy, but you're really not, you know, I mean, this Mm -hmm. is like the essential uh, basis of nutrition is what you're putting in. Um, And that can really impact um, it can really impact your hormones and Mm -hmm. leptin specifically.
0: Mm -hmm. Are there are there any pathogens that are connected to obesity? Um, so we, we tend to see there isn't like a direct, okay, if you're going
1: to get mono, you're going to get, or Epstein-Barr virus, I should say, sorry. Um, if you get, um, a virus, it's going to make you fat. Now, what we do tend to see is when people have chronic viral infections, um, they end up having a lot of chronic fatigue, right? And that chronic fatigue, maybe it's now they're having like a, they're a little bit more tired, a little bit more exhausted, um, they're. Expenditure is significantly less, you know, Mm -hmm. that may be more of a contributing factor to their weight gain or difficulty losing weight. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think there's a direct correlation to like COVID and, you know, um, leptin. At least I personally haven't seen anything like that yet.
0: Right. Or obesity, you know, in terms of obesity in general. Yeah. Yeah. And the microbiome, I mean, there are. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Microbiome, There's there's a lot of connections between certain strains uh, in the microbiome. Um, and I'm thinking acromancia specifically. Yes. Yeah. That if they're, uh, really low or some, for some people it's non-existent Mm -hmm. and that acromancia is really important in terms of increasing the mucin layer, um, and, um, providing GLP one, uh, uh, peptides, right. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, which is connected to, uh, the ability to lose weight. So yeah, that is correct. So, yeah. So it's, uh, that's brand new.
1: <laughs> yeah. It is literally like brand new. That is right. brand yes. new
0: information there. So, uh, any, are you aware of anything else in the microbiome that, that is connected to difficulty with, met, you know, the met metabolism or, yeah.
1: That- so, um, uh, one of the things I also see clinically in practice, um, I do a lot of like stool GI stool testing and things like that. Um, I see a lot of candida overgrowth. Mm -hmm. So candida overgrowth is definitely, um, linked to, um, you know, inability to lose weight for sure. Um, that's a big direct link. Um, SIBO also is a big one when people have small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, uh, because they're, they're, they have so much, what we call dysbiosis or an imbalance of good and bad bacteria that really just, um, slows down the whole digestive processes and, um, gastric am- emptying has, um, changed. Um, right. So there's things like that, that we tend to see, but, you know, I think, um, just digestion in general, like just talking about digestion really impacts your obviously m- gut microbiome, right? And Absolutely. That really
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Digestion is really, really important. It's one of the first things that I talk to my patients about is making sure that that's all functioning, (laughs) get the machinery going. Absolutely. Yeah. So great. Yeah. Anything that you can think of that we haven't touched upon that you, that will put this little bow on this package.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. I feel like we've talked about so much. I mean, literally we, there's so much to say about leptin. It really does impact um, so many various aspects of the body. Um I think, I think the biggest thing honestly is if people realize, wow, there could be something else that could be um the reason why I'm not losing weight. I think they need to they need to get it investigated
0: and and look and and get it evaluated essentially. Right. Absolutely, absolutely. So I know you have a jumpstart metabolism guide on your website www.atlantoweightlossdoctor.com. It's five ways to revive your metabolism and that you have a metabolism makeover course as well. Um, and we will put in the show notes uh, how to contact you, your website, um, and your Instagram and Facebook account. Um, and your, I think, yeah, that was it. Yeah. That's the, those are the things that we'll put in the notes. Uh, any last, um, uh words uh wisdom for my no i I, th- I think
1: one one thing I would say is especially when it comes to um a lot of people, you know um if you feel like something is wrong with your body, there probably is you know don't let anybody any person make you feel otherwise your feelings emotions are valid um you know your body better than anyone else, and if you really feel like you're truly doing the best you can, and you're not getting the results, something is going on and you need to investigate that a little bit more. And I think that when you, when you're able to work with the right practitioner, that
0: you're going to get the results that you want. You just have to be persistent. Right. Absolutely. Great advice. Great advice. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Bendia. I really appreciate your time and your wonderful knowledge about leptin resistance. It's uh, something that we definitely have to Make sure we investigate and it's another root cause, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to go uh, and find out more about. Great. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Now, thank you for
0: um, having me on your show today. Thank you for joining me in this podcast episode. I hope that you will join me in the future. If you are interested in working with me, please go to www.achinasteindo.com to book a discovery call. There you may also download for free the first three chapters of my book. I hope my work enlightens you, gives you hope, and moves you forward on your journey to a better mood and fulfilling life.